There's a difference between being a boss and being a leader. If you're looking to change careers, position yourself for a promotion, or grow professionally, the Rotman School of Management's Executive Presence Program is a must. You'll learn how to present yourself with confidence and improve your motivation, body language, and emotional intelligence, which is perfect for mid-level managers or higher. The program will take place in Toronto, Canada from September 28th to 29th, 2023. Get 10% off Rotman School of Management's Executive Presence Program with code GB10. Apply now at uft.me slash presence. That's U-O-F-T dot M-E slash presence. Welcome back to Girlboss Radio. I'm your host, Avery. I'm the founder of Bloom, a workplace design consultancy and a firm believer that work should work for all of us. This is the last episode of the season and I am so excited to be ending it on a high note with Olivia Perez. Olivia is a fashion journalist and the founder and host of Friend of a Friend podcast, a weekly talk show where she brings you into her inner circle of creatives. I also went on Olivia's podcast as a guest. The link for the episode is in the show notes if you wanna check it out. Olivia started her career with internships at Teen Vogue, Hermes, then worked for Glossier and Talent and Bookings before becoming a contributing writer to Forbes.com and landing bylines in Harper's Bazaar, Teen Vogue, and Huffington Post. Olivia and I chat about the value of having a non-linear career, the importance of being an early adopter, and her thoughts on internships. Let's get into it. Olivia, thank you so much for joining me and the rest of the Girl Boss community today. How is your day going so far? So far, so good. And thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I've been a fan of this pod for a long time, so it feels like an honor to be here. It's a good day. For folks that are listening in, you are the host of Friend of a Friend podcast, and I'm a big fan of your approach. I just feel like all of your podcasts are so conversational and approachable. I just feel really content after I listen to your conversations. They just feel like friendly. So I wanted to kind of just better understand where did this opportunity come from? What led you after like close to a decade of a career in fashion into starting a podcast? Well, first of all, thank you. Cause I love that feedback. Anytime someone says to me, I feel like I'm listening to friends. I really just feel vindicated by that because that's really why I started the show. So to rewind a little bit, my career path was definitely not a straight line. And I think that that's something that a lot of people today are being confronted with, at least a lot of my community and my listeners are being confronted with. It's like for so long, I feel like we had this idea of like, okay, you want to be a lawyer, you're going to go to college, you're going to go to law school, you're going to do all the steps and the career is a straight path. And I think when Instagram started, I was in college and it kind of opened up an entire new era of these really non-linear career paths. And I'm so grateful that I had them because I went through so many different jobs and so many different roles but they all really culminated in the exact purpose of the show that I've been doing for four years now and feel so in my purpose with. For anyone listening that might be confused in their career path, the nonlinear ways always get you to where you need to be. So I went to NYU and again, as I said, Instagram had just started and I was really passionate about fashion and journalism. I wanted to be a magazine editor. And so when I went to NYU, I immediately applied for an internship at Condé Nast. And this was before a little bit of the internship upheaval that happened there. But I had gotten an internship at Teen Vogue, which was my dream internship. I thought I was going to push to try and get that as a senior and then try to work there forever. 
but just kind of on a whim had seen an opening for this job and applied, even though I technically wasn't allowed to as an NYU student, you're not like allowed to intern your first semester. But I like wrote a whole petition. I like wrote a letter to the dean saying like why I need to have this job because it was my dream job. And I was just so excited to do it. Once in a lifetime opportunity, I promised like I'd keep a certain GPA and like do extracurriculars. Basically, I weaseled my way in there. But (laughs) that was really the start of my career for me. Once I got there, I met so many mentors who were so, so, so crucial and important to me in my entire career and still are there for me today. I ended up bouncing around to a bunch of different internships. I was at Hermes for a little while. I worked for Ryan Seacrest. I worked for Glossier. All but by the time I had graduated school, I had had all of these different experiences that maybe didn't make sense on paper, but today were exactly what I wanted to do. You know, it was a little bit of fashion from Teen Vogue, a little bit of journalism, a little bit of entertainment from the Ryan Seacrest world, beauty and casting at Glossier. So it just feels amazing today to kind of be in this position to have put myself through all those experiences and have them be exactly what I'm doing now. So when I graduated school, I had started this blog. We were in the era of blogs at the time. And something I really try to do and try to be a part of is just always being a first mover on things. I was like, I want to hear about the mom and pop restaurants and the places that are in my community that I can go to as a student and feel like I'm part of the city. The original friend of a friend was really about that. And I had five different students who were friends of mine at NYU who all had really different interests writing about it. So my friend who was a fashion writer, my friend who was actually a very successful travel blogger at the time was writing about all the places she was going for a friend of a friend. I had a friend who was an art major and she was writing about art for the website. So it was really about creating a community that was about finding places that you hear through a friend of a friend. And I always felt that to be just a super trusting word. I've always been someone who wants to share my experiences and share what I'm going through in life and share my discoveries. Curiosity is like so innate to who I am as a person. I think it's like one of my favorite qualities to have. And being able to share that back has always been so important to me. And over time, again, I had mentioned like wanting to be a first mover when I noticed podcasts really picking up and blogs kind of dying a little bit. I had really felt such an interest in podcasting and leaning into my journalistic voice a little bit. I was also a writer for Forbes at the time. So I was really, again, like on this nonlinear path of trying as many things as I possibly could and feeling out what was right for me and creating a career that specifically fit me. And podcasting felt like the culmination of all of those journeys. Absolutely. And I think that people have always been multi-hyphenate, so to speak. Like we've always had multiple things that we are good at or multiple things that we have interest in or multiple career tracks we might be curious about. But what I found is that technology has actually enabled us to actually have the time and the capacity and the, the resources to explore multiple different career journeys at the same time. So that's really interesting. In today's world, it's so important to explore everything you're curious about. We have every resource in the world to be able to do that. My 20s, I did a million different things. Something I always say is like chip away at like the sculpture that is your life. All these internships, all these jobs that I had that got me to where I am weren't so much about finding what I do like, but finding what I didn't like and chipping away at those things to kind of get to the core of who I am and what I can offer to my community. I love that. And you know what? I've actually never done personally an internship, but you have like made quite the strong case, not necessarily directly for pursuing internships. And I think that the emphasis on internships is declining in the world of work. Definitely. Have you noticed that as well? Definitely. I mean, I think I feel as though I might attribute that to social media, though, at the same time. I think 
people have a whole other universe that they have found on the internet. I have friends who are in college who started becoming influencers at a really young age or starting companies at a really young age. I do feel like jumping on there has fast-tracked a lot of people, but I do really want to emphasize how crucial it was for me to be in the workforce in a way. I mean, working for different people, working with different people, having a boss, learning management skills, understanding processes, all of those things have been so valuable for me in my journey as an entrepreneur and as a founder of the show to understand how to run my business better. So if you are in that position right now where you're questioning an internship or starting your own thing, I would say try in every possible way to do both for a little while and learn as much as you possibly can from other people. Absolutely. I completely agree. I think that for me, although I haven't necessarily ever worked an internship, I had spent 10 years in corporate settings prior to starting my own business. And although I would say 99% of the time I spent in those jobs, I was not the happiest I could be. I was learning so much. And I take all those lessons in my daily experiences now as a founder and as a boss and as a leader. It's invaluable experience. Speaking of being a first mover, you had talked about being early to adopt Instagram. What do you think you've done differently than other creators to build such an engaged community? I think for me, it's always been about being a resource to whatever that is, whether it's fashion inspiration, just being a really joyful presence online, or even obviously with the podcast, being able to share back those gems with my audience that I'm learning. My bottom line is always, how can I be of service today? How can I help someone maybe dress like their best selves today? How can I provide a gem that I'm learning in my everyday life? Or how can I maybe show someone a new part of a city that I'm exploring? For me, it's always about being a place where people can come and learn something new about themselves and about the world that they're in. I always learn something when I have these conversations with people, but it's definitely something that I'm going to probably sit with and reflect on because I do think that those are the best communities where you are learning. I don't care if 10 people like my photo or 100,000 people like my photo. I think that there needs to be a return of a healthy balance of sharing what we love and, of course, catering to our community. But I think the second that you start to veer away from posting what feels important to you and why you started this in the first place is when you're letting the Instagram algorithm, science, all that stuff win. So for me, it's been really about making sure that every day I wake up and say, do I want to post this for me? And do I care if it does well or not? Or do I care if maybe one person resonates with it or a whole bunch? That's secondary to why I'm posting what I share. I'm posting it for me. Absolutely. And I think that the creators that I love the most, as you're sharing this, I'm kind of reflecting on people that I feel haven't deviated away from what they've done and how they feel like they can best show up. Like Alex L is a really great example of someone yes. that hasn't tapped into doing TikToks or Reels or anything. She's just steadfast, focused on the way that she's always shared content. And I'm still super engaged with her content, regardless of how the algorithm is favoring certain ways of delivering what you want to share and what you want to say. Yeah, it, this is something that I definitely needed a little reminder of. So thank you for sharing that with me and obviously with everyone listening in right now. It's really important for us to stay true to ourselves and not to get too caught up in essentially, I guess, the outcome of what we decide to share. Of course. I'm glad it was a helpful reminder. I have to remind myself of it too all the time. <laughs> so speaking of the workplace and you being so tapped in on what's going on in the world of fashion, we were talking about this prior to starting the recording. And I think that 
a conversation that we had within my team just this past week was about like what we miss about the office. And one of the things that we were sharing was the fashion, oddly. And I will say for anyone listening that works in tech, the fashion usually isn't the most amazing <laughs> aspect, but it was still something that was just cool to observe on a daily basis, like how people chose to present themselves and how they chose to express themselves through what they would choose to wear to work. But then also one like small, tiny nuance thing that I think reflects very much the office in a way is when people would realize when you had something new on. <laughs> yes. I mean, because you see someone every day, you become really, really intrinsically connected to that person and their closet. Yes. I remember on numerous occasions coming into the office and someone be like, oh, new sweater. It looks great. I was like, yeah, it is a new sweater. How'd you know? And now that never happens because we only really see a quarter of someone's body. I'm speaking for myself here. I might be alone in this and I doubt I am, but I wear the same thing pretty much every day. So it's hard to tell. <laughs> Yeah, there was an article, a Vogue article that came out about a month ago that was written by a really dear friend of mine, and it was about making a case for trying. And the article was about how we're in this moment of TikTok and Instagram reels and get ready with me's and a little bit more of like lo-fi dressing. And he was making the case for, hey, let's get dressed up again. I don't want to see the same videos of a tank and a jean and a belt and a blazer. And OK, we're ready to go. Like, I want people to try and put themselves out there with fashion. And wear things that might not be conventional because that's how you explore your self-expression and how you show up in the world. So I'm here for 2023 being the year of trying. If you're still paying full price for your prescriptions, let us put you on to something better. Visory Health, a woman-owned prescription saving platform, offers up to 80% off on generic drugs through your local pharmacy so you can take care of the people that matter to you the most at a fraction of the cost. All you have to do is download the app to get your digital health savings card, and voila, it's free to use, available for your whole family, yes, fur babies included, and you don't need coupons, discount codes, or health insurance. Go to visoryhealth.com, that's V-I-S-O-R-Y health.com, to start saving today. You're listening to my chat with Olivia Perez. Next up, we discuss whether you can still be successful without living in New York, LA, or any other major city. I did a deep dive over the last week or so in preparation for this conversation, but I specifically loved an episode that you did with Tegan, and she's the founder of Half-Baked Harvest. Yes. Yes. You had a conversation about whether you have to live in a major city to be successful or not. And of course, I've listened to the conversation, so I'm aware of your thoughts and I'm aware of Tegan's thoughts and where she's kind of ended up with some of the decisions she's made. I wanted to understand what your thoughts are. I'd like for you to share it with the audience, folks that are listening. What are your thoughts on the impact of your location and whether it has any impact on your success? So first off, I just want to say Tegan is maybe one of my favorite people to follow online. She is someone who found a niche and leaned in so heavily. She releases a new recipe every single day. She's a best-selling cookbook author and is someone that I don't know a single person in my world, at least, that when I say half-baked harvest, they're not like, oh my God, I love her recipes. She's just created such an incredible business for herself. And I really loved having that conversation with her because you know she lives, I believe, an hour outside of Denver. And she has truly built such an incredible career for herself. And I can only speak from my experience. I've only ever lived in New York and LA. And I can say that living in those places has been 
invaluable for me in making connections, networking, being able to work at some of my dream jobs. You can only do a lot of those things from those places. But if you're someone like a Tegan or you're a content creator or you're a founder, the most successful facet of all of those things, in my opinion, is solving a problem that's in your life. Mm -hmm. Whether you're founding a company that has to do with something that you deal with in your everyday life. Tegan was solving the problem of like, hey, I love to cook. I want to share my recipes with people. And I don't need to be in New York or LA to do that. I really think that if you can find your niche and lean in and share your life, I mean, look, at the end of the day, the majority of the country does not live in these major cities. I think that there is so much more that people can relate on. And I don't want people to ever feel like they need to, you know, I need to move to New York to become relevant. I need to move to LA to build this company. Again, the most successful companies to me are the ones that are built on your own experience, your own life, working on what you know and sharing that with the world. And Tegan is such a beautiful example of that. She's got close to 6 million followers. Her website is one of the most popular websites for recipes. So I think if you are someone that doesn't live in a major city and you're looking for some inspiration, follow Tegan, look to her, for example, because it is possible. And I actually think that sometimes it's better. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm a big believer in working from places where you can do your best work. And I made the decision to move out of Toronto, which is a major city in Canada, for those of you who don't know. And when I made that move back in 2016, I thought it was going to be like a career ending decision because everything is so centrally focused around Toronto, especially when I was working heavily in tech. And that departure from that major city actually made it easier for me to have, I'd say, a more robust lifestyle. I felt more relaxed. I live like in a little town. They film a lot of made for TV, like Hallmark movies and like Christmas films and everything there. Yeah. I mean, look, I totally really, I lived in New York for a decade. I was a fashion girl. I loved being in the fashion industry. And then the pandemic happened and I moved back home where my family and my fiance lived. And I too was like, is my career about to be over? Like, how do I do this from LA? But it was actually the most beautiful, rewarding experience for me because I was actually able to make something that is uniquely mine. My work now feels so unique to me and different than maybe what somebody else has to offer. And I don't think that I would have found that as strongly living in New York as I have now. Wherever you are, as long as you make it true to you and share your lived experience with people, There will be people out there who relate to that and are interested in what you're doing. Absolutely. And there's so many barriers to entry to even living in some of these massive cities like the Toronto's and Chicago's, New York's, LA's of the world. Like just the cost of living there is. Yeah, the cost of living. Yeah, it's impossible. So I think don't be discouraged no matter where you are. Totally agree. And I think that if you are finding yourself, either if you're living with your parents or if you made the move like a lot of people did due to being laid off or impacted by company restructuring or just finances or even just for your mental health, you decide to move home to be closer to your people, that's okay. You can be successful in those spaces, just as successful as someone in New York or LA or Toronto. And I find that this conversation reigns true for content creators a lot, people that are in that space, totally. I mean, I was just telling you about this woman who is like one of my favorite people to follow on TikTok. She lives on Svalbard Island, which is really close to the North Pole. And I think she has close to a million followers on TikTok. And she just shares her life there. Obviously, it's incredibly interesting. Not many people live next to the North Pole. 
but she does such an incredible job of sharing all the little facets of what it's like to live there. And I am hooked. I go like check on her daily because I'm so curious about her life. So again, (laughs) share what you know, share your life. I love that. I love that. So what's something you wish you knew about becoming a podcast host before starting a podcast? Oh, that I would meet so many incredible people. My gut response to that is that, you know, I produce a show every week like you guys, and it's a really intense job. I think a lot of people think they're just going to get on the mic and hit post and you're done after that. Having a podcast is a full time job. It's so rewarding and I love it, but I always just want to be real with people on that because I'm sourcing guests. I'm booking them. I'm scheduling. Then I'm prepping for the guests. I'm editing the show. I'm doing the social media assets for it. And then I'm getting people to listen to the episode. So it is a ton of work, but I have met some of the most incredible, talented, diverse, interesting, joyful, full of life people from this show with interests that I didn't even know about. And there are some guests that have surprised me so much. You know, some guests I've gone into the episode being like, okay, like I might not be super, super, super interested or be able to relate to this person. But then I walk away from the episode and I'm like, wow, my world just expanded. So I just think if you can be in a job where you're meeting new people and getting out of your comfort zone and learning about their lives and also being able to share that experience back, it's just the most fulfilling thing in the whole world. Totally. And I think for me, working remotely for my full-time job and not meeting people or new people as much as I used to, I find that becoming a podcast host has made me like a kinder, more empathetic person than I already was. There's been times because I'm not necessarily totally responsible. I'm not carrying everything that you're doing for your podcast. I do a small little tiny fraction of it here at Girlboss. We have a great team of three people that are doing a lot of work. I just kind of show up and have these conversations and do a lot of research, which that in itself sometimes takes weeks for me to go through in preparation for guests. But there have been guests that have been presented that I'm like, I don't know about this, or I don't know how I feel about this person, or I have like really strong opinions about what I think this person's all about. And then I have that conversation and it opens up my mind in ways that never would have happened had I not, not necessarily been forced to have the conversation, but had the opportunity to have a conversation never presented itself. And that to me has been like the most mind blowing part of this job. A hundred percent. I mean, I think we all have the ability with social media today to make judgments on people that we have maybe never met. And we think that we know what people are about just by going to their Instagram page because we've been told that we our Instagram pages need to be what we're about. And they're not at all. And again, I've met so many incredible people and introduced my audience and community to so many people they would have never met before. And I'm just so grateful to be able to do that. So reflecting on Girl Boss Radio. I'm curious, what does Girl Boss and being a Girl Boss mean to you? Oof. It's so interesting. And I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't say that the word has had a bumpy roller coaster couple of years, but I grew up in the age of the Girl Boss. The Girl Boss was crucial to who I am and empowering me as a woman. I remember I moved to New York in 2012 and 2015, 16, 17 were the years of seeing so many female founders rise to some of the most incredible companies in the country and the women's march and so many companies that might not be around today, but were around then and really were so formative for me as a woman in being able to say, yeah, I am a girl boss. The girl boss movement was so, and is still so important to me because 
I not only feel that way, but I also want as a podcast host to make other women feel that way. So it was so formative for me and still is. And it's because of the girl bosses before me that I'm able to like sit where I am and also share that light to the next generation too. I never want to take that for granted. I love that. And at Girl Boss, we're all about redefining success on our own terms. And this has like been a big part of Girl Boss's evolution, right? From like Girl Boss 1.0, where it was all about ladder pulling and survive at all costs. And in some cases, mirroring some of the toxic masculine behaviors that men have always perpetuated within traditional like workplaces. Now we're moving away from that. We're sharing our information. We are inviting people in. We're pulling people up with us, specifically women with us. And I love this whole like essence, even on TikTok, where we're like, we're not gatekeeping anymore. We want more of us represented in these senior level roles around tables around executive and CEO level roles. This is what we want. We want to see more of us. There's room for all of us to succeed. And I think that that's really what Girl Boss 2.0 is all about. This is what this podcast is about. Like we want to share all the juicy details of our careers and then also be like really vulnerable and open about what got us to where we are today, but then also how we're always just growing and shifting and learning. But as we think about success, I'm curious, like what do you think makes a person successful? Ooh, that's a beautiful question. I think what makes a person successful is not the thing that they've built around them, but what they've built within themselves. Because you can have an amazing company, but if you're not able to stand strong and say, I built this thing, I did this, and kind of let imposter syndrome wash over you, I think you're losing out on being the best founder that you can possibly be. And look, you can ask me today, do I feel successful? Yes. Do I feel that way tomorrow? No. Being a founder, being an entrepreneur, being a creative, it's a roller coaster. But I think the most important thing is showing up for yourself every day and showing up for your people, showing up for your company and making sure that you're taking care of you first. And so I think when I meet successful people, I focus less on what they're building and I focus more on the presence that they bring to the room and how they shine that light on other people too. Do you feel like you're successful most of the time? <laughs> and why? I mean, I think that's a tricky question. I think some days I do and some days I don't. And I think that that's just part of the human experience. We all have good and bad days. I never want to be someone who is not self-aware enough to say I'm really proud of what I achieved and what I'm achieving in this moment. I have so many goals and so many other places that I want to be and so many other levels of success that I want to accomplish. But I really do always want to be proud of myself and be able to like lift myself up on my own two feet and be able to be confident in what I achieved. I think that's super important as a person to be able to acknowledge what you've done, but also create new goals and new projects for the future. So I think it's some days, yes, some days, no. What about you? Do you feel successful? Yeah, I do. I do. I feel like the reason why I feel successful is I'm well aware of the barriers that I've experienced to get to where I am today. And I know that I've overcome them. And I know how hard it was sometimes to pick myself up and how challenging it was to see the big picture. And I think that what you were talking about earlier, about like embodying that and it's not necessarily about what it is that you're building or doing. It's about being able to truly kind of own what it is that you're working towards and knowing that you are successful and knowing that you have this massive capacity to do great things within you. And I think that this is one of the reasons why as controversial as Brene Brown can be at times, I really appreciate her work. It's like when she talks about being down in the sand and like, being face down in the sand and not necessarily knowing what could happen next and having to pick yourself up and being in that ring. 
I came from, unfortunately, I'm not alone in this, but a lot of women experience not so great experiences at work. And that's what drove me to starting my own company. I just didn't want to be in an environment where I was going to get harassed or assaulted again. And that's why I was like, I'm going to just build my own thing. I felt safer being an entrepreneur and holding all this incredible amount of risk than I did working within a traditional workplace. And I'm no, I know I'm not alone in that. So yeah, I do. I feel like I'm successful at the moment. <laughs> I'm going to take a little bit of your confidence with me today. Yes, yes. I think that we're all successful in our own rights. I just think that there's always new evolutions and iterations to what we believe success is. Absolutely. As we grow and learn and shift as individuals. So uh, I'm loving this conversation. I actually almost got emotional there reflecting on all those things. But thank you for asking me back. <laughs> of course. So before we wrap up, we always do a quick rapid fire set of questions. And I wanted to kind of move through those with you today. First and foremost, what time do you typically wake up in the morning? Seven. Morning or evening person? Morning, big time. And how many unread emails do you have in your inbox at the moment? Seven. I am, if you can tell, I'm incredibly type A by all the questions you just asked me. <laughs> like I'm in bed at 10, up at seven. I'm always checking, like I'm at inbox zero all the time. That's just the way that I am. I have to like, I can't have the 5,000 unread emails. It's just me, just the way, just the way I operate. I'm like glancing at my inbox right now and thinking, Okay. <laughs> One of my things is going to bed every night, having gotten through all the emails so I can wake up and have like a completely brand new day the next day. Maybe I just don't get a lot of emails. I love that. <laughs> Last question. What is the biggest fashion miss of the remote work space? Meaning like something people shouldn't do? Yeah. I think that we're like past the like sweatpants with a blazer on top. I'm such an advocate for getting up every day and dressing your best self. I think a good outfit and a change of your clothes can totally change your day. I'm here to say to everybody, like, put a good outfit on, feel your best, present yourself, have the best possible day. Amazing. So before we wrap up, is there anything you'd like to share with our community? No, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. And I'm such a fan of yours and the podcast. Amazing. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap on this season of Girl Boss Radio. I love getting to chat with another podcast host. If you want to hear more from us, go check out my episode on Olivia's podcast, Friend of a Friend. We'll be taking a pause over the summer, but we'll be back in the fall with more amazing guests and must-listen conversations. Leave a comment and let us know what you loved about this season and what you think we can do better. We have big things in store next season, so get excited. As always, this podcast is produced by Liz Goober and Victoria Christie and edited by Diego Domine. Until the fall, keep blooming.